0: first Kings chapter number 15 tonight for just a moment just as a prerequisite to the text uh, brother Andrew preached this morning such a great message on King David and his uh, tenacity his decision uh, his making up his mind uh, to serve the Lord, and, and that's commendable, and and he did. And uh, I think we all need to do that. I honestly do. A great message. Yeah. I'm going to try to see if I can find where I said we was going to preach. Let me just read one verse to you this, this evening. Verse 5. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. Save only. I'll bet you there's not a person in this place tonight that does not have a save only time In your life. David did everything God asked him to do. Every single day of his life. Save only. Except. In the matter of Uriah the Hittite. You've got to be careful with those save-only moments of your life. And we all have those save-only moments in our life. No telling how happy they would be. Save-only. That one time. No telling where I'd be today in the financial world. Save only. That one time. I'd like to talk to you tonight about David's same only. And how he handled it with the Lord. Because all of us here tonight has those save-only moments, time, days in our life. In the uh, 2012 presidential election, there were several presidential debates, debates, between the two candidates, Barack Obama and Mick Romney, I almost feel unclean to mention, I better go on. But the thing that was refreshing is not one time in all the debates between those two candidates for president, not one time were they accused of infidelity? Not one. (laughs) That's a difference, isn't it? Not saying they were not guilty of it, I'm just saying not one time were they accused or did they accuse each other of infidelity. Now that couldn't be said about the campaign with Bill Clinton. There were many charges brought against him. In fact, someone said that he was in one debate and somebody asked him, said, "Uh, what do you think about foreign affairs? And he said, well, I don't think I've ever had one of them yet. (laughs) You know... uh, Because examples like that uh, uh, women think that all men are like tomcats always on the prowl. Men like that give other men who's trying to live right and do right, be right a bad name. On one television program several years ago, it was during a time that we're interviewing. Uh, Oliver North and one of the women on the show who was a Clinton supporter dismissed Clinton's behavior by saying well all men are like Bill Clinton Oliver North said now I've served my country at home and abroad for many years and I've never never cheated on my wife. That's refreshing. In a day in which we live, that's refreshing. That's encouragement to our teenagers. It's important to all of us. And if the same thing was said of women, (laughs) they would be offended likewise. Sometimes women are overly suspicious of men and I can see why if you watch television very much It kind of reminds me of the time when Eve was upset after Adam came home after being gone for a couple of days and Eve began set in began to get on Adam's case and said I know for sure you're running around with another woman and Adam said, You're being unreasonable because you're the only woman on this earth for me. <laughs> and the quarrel continued for some time. And after a while, oh, Adam, like many of us, just went to sleep. And Eve still just a join, you know. And after a while, Adam woke up and somebody poking him in the side and and he woke up and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm counting the ribs. (laughs) (laughs) Would you control your man over here? Tonight, baby, we need to count some ribs. What a... What a terrible ending to such a great verse. That David did all that God commanded him. All the days of his life. Save in one matter. Tonight. If you would allow me please. I'd like to preach to you on this thought. The prayer. That everybody in this place ought to pray before you go to bed at night. The prayer. The necessary prayer for the child of God. The thing to pray before you ever begin to pray. Psalms 51, please. In your Bible... Let me read for you what David prayed. Yes, what he prayed. Because of the weakness of the hour. Watch this if you would please. The Bible says... After Nathan, the prophet of God, had confronted David about that moment in his life. About that time in his life when his guard was Lord. Who knows the situation no one does. God does. But Nathan looked at David and God's man was on an errand and went to David explicitly to tell David, David, you're in trouble. Your weak moment has caused you great pain and great harm, not only to you, but to your entire family. And when Nathan looked at David and said, David, thou art the man, you can read the episode in, in the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel 12, 11 and 12. And when Nathan looked at David said, David, thou art the man, David was driven to his knees in prayer. And Psalms 51, verse 1, the prayer that we all need to pray. Not that we've committed infidelity. But John says, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. We are a liar and we make God a liar. We've all had those moments. We can hide them well. Many think we're getting in the way with it. It will have catastrophic results in your life and in the life of your family. David, under deep remorse, deep conviction, said in verse 1 Have mercy upon me, O God. It's not a lifestyle, no, David. A weak moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me. For my sin. Well wait, wait, wait. It's just, it's just one deal. It's just one deal. It's not a lifestyle. It's a weak moment. For I acknowledge, he says, my transgressions. Now this is a prayer he's praying. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin. Ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. See, regardless of what sin it might be, it's evil in God's sight. And sin is not against your neighbor. It's against God. The attitude may be toward your mate, but the sin... Is against God. Against thee and thee only by sinned And done this evil thing. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. Be clear when thou judgest. You say preacher. When I pray I just don't have any words. Here's some good ones. <laughs> They'll fit every one of us here tonight. Not we've done explicitly the same thing will be of all sin and come short of the glory of God. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Remember, that's what our pastor said this morning. And in the inward part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me, he said, with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. You can't sin if you're a child of God without feeling dirty. If you can sin and enjoy it without feeling dirty, you need to be saved. Amen. Wash me, he said. Oh God, I'm dirty, he said. Cleanse me. I'm filthy. Sin has robbed me of my joy. Purge me with so I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face. From my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence. Take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me. Something's gone. Restore them to me. Something has been lost. The great champion of Israel. The apple of God's eye. The giant slayer. The soldier who killed his ten thousands. The young man who killed the bear and the lion. He He who could laugh and joke and kid and enjoy life. Now, there's a miserable, dirty feeling on the inside of kind of guy. Restore unto me. Restore, please, Lord. Need to. I'll stay all night, David said, praying if you just. Restore unto me. Now, our church has lost something. Not our salvation, no, no. We lost our joy. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You say, Preacher, our church has not changed. Oh yes, it has changed. Our church is quiet now like a Methodist church. We're sinking fast and won't be long till we be the first Presbyterian of the dead church in town. We're embarrassed to say to the preacher, Amen, Preacher, pass that around again. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Is that what he said? Amen. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, <laughs> then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let me say, and go in. Going. David has a threefold prayer that I think we all need to develop and incorporate in our praying each day. And even tonight, before we go home, I think it would be uh, advantageous if each of us, young and old alike, would incorporate in our praying. It is necessary to get God to hear and to answer our prayer. First of all, David's prayer was a prayer of confession. Would you tell me why it's always somebody else's problem and not yours? Uh, Could it be everybody else is Imperfect. And we're the only one that is perfect. David has a genuine Holy Ghost down to earth, rock bottom confession. Secondly, it was a prayer of concession. David concedes something. It wasn't Mrs. David's fault uh, it wasn't HBO's fault. It wasn't uh, the neighbor's fault. And she shouldn't have been dressed like that to begin with. David concedes my sin. Not everybody else is My sin. You know why you are where you are spiritually tonight? Because of your sin. Your sin doesn't mess up my prayer life and my prayer life does not hinge your prayer life. It is your sin. It is my sin and it's David's sin. It's not my father nor my mother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It was a prayer of confession, a prayer of concession and a prayer of cleansing. Watch this as he prays the prayer of confession, verse 1 and 2. Uh, it's 7:12, and we're still perfectly joined together. Verse 1 and 2. Have mercy upon Mrs. David David is confessing now. It's me. Have mercy upon me. Oh God. According to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me. Thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Anybody listening tonight? How many of us tonight will go to bed without ever asking God for mercy and confessing? Those things that hinders the moving of God in your life. Would you believe we've had people shout in this church and nobody passed out? Would you believe I've seen some of you happier than you are tonight? Well, what's people going to think about me? Who gives a rip? What does God think about you? Amen. I don't mean we need to be running and leaping across pews and jumping here and there. But dear God, what's wrong with saying, Amen, preacher. Do that again every once in a while. Notice if you would please. Unconfessed sins has great, great negative results in Christians' lives. Well, we've got some preachers preaching saying, Well, preacher, since you're saved, the blood of Christ covers all sins. So you do not need to confess sins. You just they're all under the blood, and we don't have to worry about it. You got that wrong the Bible is very plain and teaches you and I, notice if you would please, just take a look in your Bible a minute and let me show you some effects of unconfessed sin. Look in your Bible. His prayer. Verse down through there in chapter 51. Notice in verse number 10. The Bible says, unconfessed sins... Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. You walking around or I'm walking around with unconfessed sins. It will mess up and absolutely give me a bad spirit as I walk this earth's surface. Have you ever heard? Well, they got a bad spirit. Well, you're judging them for the spirit they got. What do you got? Unconfessed sins. Well, give us a bad spirit. Notice verse 11. The Bible said in verse number 11, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Unconfessed sins. Will separate spiritually between you and your God. And when you pray, the sky will be hard as concrete. And when you pray, God's ear will not hear. And when you pray, unless you confess your sins, (coughs) I'm fine. I'm not dying. I'm just having a good time. 3, verse 12 unconfessed sins will rob you of the joy of God's salvation. Now look here, let me show you something. Look here. That's a smile. It really ain't as bad as you you're acting like it is. Go ahead and smile. It'll be alright. You can smile in church and God won't get mad at you. I think. Amen. If that's joy, it clambered. You know what happens when we don't confess our sins? We develop a bad spirit. We're actually separated between us and God. The Bible said, your sins have separated between you and your God. And He will not hear you. What's this? Notice, if you would please, in verse number 14. Or verse number 13. And it will teach me transgressors and, and, and uh, uh, thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Notice, if you would please, our witness is gone. Our witness is gone. Our pastor's concerned about people being saved. Preaches the gospel every Sunday morning. Preaches it with power. And it's wonder why nobody's getting saved. Because you're bringing nobody. Save people are to bring lost people so that lost people can be saved. And you say, well, I, 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 well, I, I just don't know how to do that. Your witness is gone. You know how to go to Walmart. Uh, You can send a text. You can send pictures via some kind of thing. Uh, You know all there is to know. But here's what happens. Is we get all caught up in this stinking world. And little bitty sins work into bigger sins. And bigger sins work into a life full of sins. And then we have no joy. We have no witness. And we do not win people to Christ. And there's no rejoicing. At all in the lives of God's people. Say, so preacher, don't don't be chewing us out. I'm not chewing you out. Look at verse verse fourteen. When you don't confess sins and you let them stay in your life, you've got no song. Your song is gone. What did they say to the folk down in Babylon? Sing us a song about Zion. Sing us some songs about Jesus Christ. Sing us some songs. And they said, how can we sing songs of Zion with our harps hanging on the willow trees? Oh, dear Christian, let us not hang our harps on willow trees and our song be silent because we've got the greatest song that has ever been sung. Amen. amen. I said, amen. Amen. When Brother Sean said, get your song book and let's stand and sing. I have a problem with the first part, let alone the second. Standing. And I know nobody watches, but just in case you do. When we start to pray, my wife and I are not hugging one another because nobody's looking. She's keeping me from falling when I close my eyes. Don't lose your song. You lose your song. You lose your shout. You lose your shout. You lost your joy. An unconfessed sin. You say, I'm not a sinner. Well, you're a liar. Is that a sinner? Well, I'm not a big sinner. No, you're a slick sinner. Nobody knows it but you and God. But he knows. And he's the one who backs away. And your song is gone. Your witness is gone. Your joy is gone. And your fellowship is gone. That's why this prayer tonight is probably the most important thing you'll do this week. Is just get honest with God. Lord, it's me. It's my fault. I did it. I'm the one been hiding it. I know it. And I've been acting like you don't. Lord, you were there when I did it, and you were there when I said it. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Just a flat-out confession. Amen. Amen. And verse 15, unconfessed prayer, Will kill our praise. Our praise, our song, our witness, our spirit, and most of all, our relationship and fellowship with God. It was a prayer of confession. It was a prayer of concession. Lord, I want to concede some things now. I want I want, to, I want to do something. Verse 3 to 5. I'll close. I'll, I'll not spend too much of your time. Verse 3. Here's his concession. Here's David's conceded once and for all. For I acknowledge now don't look at your husband and say the preacher cleaned your clock tonight husband don't look at your wife and say were you listening to what he said David said he didn't make excuse amen he didn't make excuse for his save only moment. He said, Lord, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and the only. Have I sinned? Do you think maybe in my mind's eye I can imagine a tear about this time falling down the cheek of David, the apple of God's eye? The king is praying. Prayer of confession prayer of concession, saying, I'm sorry, I just can't blame Bathsheba. said, I had her husband killed. I can't blame anybody. Against thee and the only of our sin, he said. Amen. David's come a place in his life He's done playing. He's getting down to earth. And he's getting it all out in the open. It's me. I did it. I'm ashamed of it. I've hit it. I thought I was getting away with it until Nathan, the prophet of God, walked up and pointed his long bony finger in my face and said, David, thou art the man. What's wrong with just getting it all out once and for all? Putting it under the blood let God forgive it once and for all. You can go home with the right spirit, with joy in your heart, praising God that His grace is sufficient. Mind me, a little nine-year-old girl. How old are you, Caitlin? 21? Uh, Seven? It's nine-year-old girls in church. Stomach started hurting. She said, Mommy, can we go now? Mama said, No. We've got to wait till it's things over. She said, But mommy, I've got to throw up. A lot of church services I've been in made me feel that way. Mama said, then go outside, go around the church, round the back of the church, and throw up behind the bush, back there behind the church. Here goes the nine-year-old girl out back. She's gone about two minutes, comes back. And Mama said, did you throw up? She said, I sure did. She said, I cannot believe that you went all the way around behind the church, behind the bush, and throwed up that quick. She said, well, mommy, I didn't have to go outside the church. They have a box out front. It says on the box for the sick. So I just got rid of all of it right there in that box. What a good place. What a good place to get rid of all of it. This is a good place. To get rid of all of it no matter how huge or how small you may think it be sin is against God and unconfessed sin is so deadly to the Christian experience it's fun serving God I wouldn't want to do anything else. Somebody said, preacher, you could be rich. I am rich. I am rich. How many men do you know my age can go to a graduation with Bailey Boo Boo on Saturday go to another one with my great... But well, my grandson graduated from Bible college. I'm rich. Two preachers in my family. Both of them blaming me for the results. I'm rich. Dr. Mudy said this years ago. It's not profound. If we're all full of pride, and conceit, and ambition, and self-seeking, and pleasure, and the world, there's no room for the Spirit of God. And I believe many, a man is praying to God to fill him when he's already full, of everything else how true that is amen yep I'll close a prayer of confession a prayer of concession a prayer of cleaning watch this and we close let's start with just verse 1 Look in there. Blot out. Verse 2. Wash me. Verse 2. Cleanse me. Verse 7. Purge me. Verse 7. Wash me. You think maybe... David's hung up on something? You see, I don't do a lot of hard work anymore. I just dress like it. and Everybody feels sorry for me. I come down to church and I got dust all over me from, not mowing, but I followed the lawnmower for about ten minutes so it would make look like I'm dirty and been doing something else I got a grease can out in the garage I do this then wipe it off and that way the grease is still under my fingernails and looks like I've really been working although I have not been working I'm still dirty my clothes is dirty and wrinkled Dust in my hair, what little I got left. It just feels icky. You know, have you ever felt dirty? Thank God somebody invented showers. Because that number 10 wash tub was getting crowded. I like to hear folk gripe and complain about, well, my shower ain't big enough. Try a number 10 tub once a week on Saturday. And you're the third one in the tub. (laughs) it can't get much worse than that unless there ain't no tub. And you just feel dirty, icky. You know you stink. And then somebody invented the shower. Just get in there and just enjoy it. I used to could walk around in it, but I can't anymore. Shower's too small. It's a number 10 shower. You take that smelly soap. Did you remember soap? It's her fault. She didn't buy soap. You get out of that shower, you clean, smell like. You've been baptized in rose garden in the world. And you just feel so clean. Confession. Concession. And cleaning. Makes you feel that way spiritually. I read one time. If we walk in the light. As he is the light. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. From all sin. But if we say we have no sin. The truth is not in us. And we lie. But here's the good news. But if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin, regardless of what it might be, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I think it's necessary before we go to bed tonight that we pray this prayer.